Welcome to the Dulas Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, I got to tell you, this is, this is such a powerful passage because if you remember, we've been doing this study now for four weeks where we've gone through the first two chapters of Ephesians, and we had this series called Defined, right? Hopefully you guys have been paying attention to it. But what Paul does is Paul starts in Ephesians chapter 1 saying, hey, here's who you are in Christ. And he gives you these seven spiritual blessings. It's this powerful list of all those things. Then he goes on, he's like, I actually want to pray that you understand this. Not just that you get it, but that like you really know what you have in Christ, And then Ephesians chapter 2 is one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture where it talks about the gift you've received, that you are saved by grace through faith, that it's nothing of your own doing. It's it's not by works so that none of us can boast. It's such a powerful truth for us to understand because, and by the way, just as a side note, if if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, our podcast on Ephesians chapter 2, really, really good stuff. I mean, this is, this is gold for you to understand as a believer, because we answer this question. I'm not even going to answer it for you here. You're going to have to listen on the podcast, all right? But we answered this question, if you and I could do nothing to earn our salvation, right? It was by grace through faith. Then can we do anything to lose our salvation? All right? So now you got to go listen to figure out, well, what, what was it? All right? So, so make sure you're paying attention. Great passage. Good stuff. Uh, Last week, Mike talked about how we're all one in Christ, kind of this thing that just keeps happening and keeps coming up. And it's interesting that with what we're facing in the world today, that God's Word's lining right up with it, right? Like we're facing with these these issues of of racial injustice and, and honestly just flat out racism that's coming up. And here's this passage we're going through in Ephesians that's talking about, hey, There is no dividing wall of hostility in the church. Like Jesus has removed those things that are dividing you. Jesus is the one who unites us, not divides us. So it brings us all to Ephesians chapter 3. And what's really interesting about chapter 3 is we're going to go through the whole chapter today, but it's divided in two sections. If you look in your, in your Bible, you can actually see it. There's two times that Paul uses the same phrase. In chapter, or verse, verse 1, he says, for this reason. And then he does it again in verse 14. He says, for this reason. So there's these two different sides of this chapter. But Paul starts off, and he says this. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles... Now, if you haven't been studying Ephesians, you have no idea where he's coming from. Like, why are you just now identifying yourself, right? Like, you, you should have told us that you're writing to us up front. Well, he, <coughs> excuse me, he kind of did, but now in, in chapter 3, he says it again, and it's really interesting to me here, because what Paul does is he says, for this reason, what's the reason? It's the gospel. Like the whole point of chapter 3 is to illustrate for you how important the gospel is. So I've got four points today. Here's number one. 
that you should let the gospel push you to a greater purpose. You know, in life, you and I have certain things happen to us. Or we have certain things that we decide to do, right? Like, uh, how many of you are going into your junior or senior year? Okay. How many of you are going into your freshman or sophomore year? Nice. Look at all of our high schoolers. Seventh and eighth graders, where are you at? Okay. Every one of you is starting to encounter this question. Now, those of you that are juniors or seniors, this is really important to you. But everybody else in the room and everybody that watches online later, guess what you're having to answer? Who do I want to be? Right? Like you're going through this whole thing. For juniors and seniors, you're thinking long term. You're thinking future. And you're going, man, what do I want to do as a career? Or do I want to go to college? Do I want to pick up a trade? Am I going to really pursue this sports thing? Am I going to pursue music? Am I going to pursue dance? You're thinking through some stuff. Freshman and sophomore, you're starting to think through it. But you know what's really important to you? You're just thinking about who you want to be around your friends. And so you're going, man, I, I just really care about what people think of me. And so do I want to kind of wear these type of clothes? Do I want to be friends with these people? Do I want to try out for this club or whatever it is? Junior or junior high students, you're thinking the same thing, especially if it's your first time to come into junior high and you're an incoming seventh grader and you're going, man, who do I want to be known by? I mean, what, what, what kind of things do I want to get involved in? Maybe you're picking up an extracurricular activity for the first time, all those things. Those are really important questions. Can I tell you what the gospel does for you? The gospel gives you a purpose that's so much greater than just what you do. So you may be really gifted and talented at a sport. You may be a football player. And you'd be a great football player. But when you allow the gospel to give you a greater purpose, you're not just some, hey, I'm a great football player. You're someone who is using football to now reach people for Jesus. And so we call this over the summers, which by the way, can we just have a moment to, to have a moment of silence? Like we should be leaving for Beach Week tomorrow. Isn't that sad, guys? That's just so tough, all right? But what we talk about when we go to, to Beach Week or junior high camp, we use this phrase kingdom work. You guys have heard this before, right? And the idea of being a kingdom worker is leveraging whatever gifts, talents, or abilities you have for the for the kingdom, like to go out and to spread the gospel. I want you to listen with that lens, okay? Listen again to verse one of chapter three. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, and watch this, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You catch that? Like Paul is in prison writing this letter to the Ephesians. He's in prison, but look why he says he's in prison. A prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Don't miss it. Paul's saying his purpose for suffering was the Gentiles. Why I'm going through what I'm going through is you. And, and I want you to understand, when you move beyond selfishness, just what I can get out of this, when you move beyond selfishness to service, you find greater joy, passion, and purpose. When you and I just go, hey, it's not about me, God all of a sudden starts to do things for you, and even bad things seem good. Being in prison, now all of a sudden wasn't pointless wasn't something that he hated. 
He's going, no, listen, I'm going through what I'm going through because of you. What would happen in your life if you changed your perspective to where you allowed the gospel to give you a greater purpose? What changes in your locker room? What changes in the band hall? What changes when you log on to social media? When you make that TikTok, what changes when all of a sudden the gospel has given you a greater purpose? Verse two, he says, I'm assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Two words come up in those those verses that are gonna be really important. The first one is grace. We've talked about grace before. Uh, I would just challenge you again that if you're not subscribed to the podcast, subscribe to it because this week we're going to talk a lot about grace in the podcast. It's really good stuff. But, but grace, and the other one was this term mystery. What is Paul talking about? Like, is he going to write a mystery novel for us? Is he going to, like, create this weird story? No, look what he says. He says how the mystery was made known to me, and I've written about it briefly. Turn over to Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I was turning the wrong way until I reminded myself where it was. Colossians chapter 1. Paul writes about the mystery there as well. I just want to read two verses. Verse 26 and 27. Look at what Paul says. He says, This mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations has now been revealed to the saints. What is it? To them, God chose to make known how great among you the Gentile, or excuse me, God, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. And here it is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What Paul says is this mystery that's now revealed is the fact that the Gentiles have been brought in by the gospel of Jesus. And so he talks about it here. He says, verse 4 of Ephesians 2, or 3, if you go back there, he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which has not been made known to the sons of men in other generation, as it has been now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now catch this. Something that had been hidden for ages and generations, now it's being revealed. We don't get this. Because for us, we've just kind of always known about the gospel, right? But you realize that there were millennia of people that longed for the coming of Jesus. Thousands of years, people longed for for Jesus to come. You know, still today, there's people that do this. When we go to Israel, we uh, interact a lot with the Jewish people, the Israelites. The Israelis now is what they're called. But many of them are still waiting for the Messiah. That's what they think. They don't think Jesus was it. They missed it. And to see the emptiness, the brokenness of them just going, man, I, I, just, I just want this mystery to be solved. There's a, 
ancient philosopher. He was actually an apologist, someone who proves the faith, named Blaise Pascal. You know what he said? He said, inside of every human being, there is this God-shaped vacuum or a God-shaped hole that we'll try to satisfy with all the other things in this world, but he's the only one that can truly satisfy it. You realize inside of you is this longing for something greater that only Jesus can fix. And for these people that longed for generations that Jesus would show up, and they never got to experience it. For Paul, he's saying this mystery that other people didn't know about, that they just longed for, God revealed it to me, I'm preaching it to you. And he says, listen, let the gospel give you a greater purpose. Don't just live life meaningless. Don't just go around going, oh, well, you know, Corona sucks, man. No. You can say that because it does. But you know what you do? You go, how is God wanting to use this time? How is God wanting to use me to reach more people? What am I doing since I don't have all these other things that are occupying my calendar and taking my focus? What am I doing to reach people for Jesus? When Paul got put in prison... You realize that he could have just gone, well, that's it. I'm done. No more mission trips. Everything's canceled for me. Like, I'm done. I'm stuck in my house, under house arrest. Is that what he did? This fool didn't even have the internet. Instead, you know what he started to do? He started to go, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to start writing letters. And it's the majority of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament are letters Paul wrote from house arrest. Let the gospel give you a greater purpose. Listen, you don't look at things that happen to you in life and go, well, it's over. There's nothing I can do. No, you pivot and go, how can I use this to reach people for Jesus? You catch it? Like, don't allow yourself to get so depressed by the current season we're in that you're just going, man, nothing's good. There's never going to be anything. No, no, no. Find joy in the day-to-day and make a difference for the gospel. Let the gospel give you a greater purpose. Here's number two. Let the gospel push you to break down barriers. In verse six, it says, this mystery is that the Gentiles, that's us, right? I don't think we have any Jewish people in here today. I think we're all Gentiles, okay? This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, I got to spend a little bit of time here. Did you notice Paul gives three different things that the Gentiles are now with the Jews? Fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers in the promise. Let me break that down just real quick. Fellow heirs means that you're not, you're not illegitimate. You're, you're in the family. Mike talked a little bit about this last week, right? When, when we talk about removing the dividing wall of hostility, okay? The second part of the members of the same body, meaning that there's no difference. We're all in the same body together, okay? There's not like, hey, there's this body for the Jews, There's this body for the Gentiles. No, we're all in the same body. 
But perhaps the best one is the partakers of the promise. Meaning that this promise that for generations they said was just for Jewish people, now available to all of us. Now, some of you may have seen this this past week, but um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a, there's a preacher in San Diego named Miles McPherson. I saw some people retweet it. I don't know if any of you guys happened to watch it. But he was, he was talking about how, especially with like the racial divides that are in our country right now, how those exist and Christians can be okay with it. And he said, you know, Jesus gave us the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, the world will know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So, like, what's supposed to define Christians is our, our love for our neighbors, for, for all this. You realize in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your neighbor or love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And he goes through this whole thing. And he's like, if you only love people who love you, what good is that? Even the pagans do that. So there's supposed to be this characteristic about Christians that we have this love that goes beyond what the rest of the world's able to do. And what Miles McPherson talked about is he said, you know what has enabled racism within the church with Christians? is we've taken people that God calls brothers, fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers in the promise, okay? And instead of saying, you're my brother, we call him something else. And so he uses the illustration. He says, when the, uh, when the Trail of Tears happened, and when the Americans were coming across the, the frontiers of the West, when they saw Indians or Native Americans, you know what they called them? Savages. These are savages. So now, we're not, we're not the same. I'm calling you something else. So now I don't have to love you like Christ calls me to. When you look at how white people treated black people, they came up with all kinds of names. They would call them different animal names. They would lower them to where now, now hey, you're this. And I'm not going to say any of those. That would not be good. But you're this, and so now what happens? Oh, well, I lowered you to this, so now I don't have to love you like my brother. You see it? You realize you do the same thing? That when you, when you can dehumanize someone, when you can make someone not the same level as you because you call them a name, you make them an animal, you make them a savage, you, you do these things to them, then all of a sudden it excuses you because they're not on the same level as you. You see this? And what Jesus does, he says, listen, we are all the same. And what I love about Ephesians chapter 3, you let the gospel push you to break down barriers. Don't miss it. This, these are people that still to this day, if you go over to Israel, the Jews fight with all the Gentiles, still to this day. They call them all kinds of names, both sides. The racial divide is so strong, still to this day. 
Why? Because they didn't listen to what the gospel can do. You see, what our world wants to do is they want to put up as many walls as they can in between us. They want to get us to hate each other. You know, throughout this whole season, I've talked to a lot of, uh, a lot of black families. And you know what they've talked to me about? They said, man, you know what, what I've started to realize is that having my kids grow up at Crossroads, it almost insulated them from what the rest of the world really is like. I listened to one guy that told me, he said, hey, he had to teach his son how to, how to interact with cops. And he said, just, just because when you interact with white people at Crossroads in a certain way doesn't mean that when you go outside of Crossroads, they're going to treat you this way. And you know how much those things hurt me? Not the way that they hurt them, but just to hear it and go, are you kidding me? Just because we've done a great job here at our church, and we can do a lot better, but just because we've done a great job doesn't mean that there's still not work to do. We have to let the gospel break down barriers. There's still work to do. There's still walls that need to come down. And what the gospel does for us is it helps remove all those things. You know, what's crazy to me is that these people that in any form or fashion are, are, are racist, and yet they want to call themselves Christian. I'm like, do you have any idea what heaven is going to be like? Like, you're going to be so mad when you get there, and you realize that literally it's every tribe, every nation, every people, every tongue. It ain't going to be white people. Not just white people. Hopefully there'll be some of us there. Just kidding. But you know what, what, what's crazy is when, when people start to think that I'm great, you realize Jesus wasn't white. Jesus looked a whole lot more like Osama bin Laden than he looked like me. He's a Middle Eastern man. And so before you start thinking that somehow, hey, this is, this is great, and, you know, he was blonde hair, blue eyes. No, he wasn't. I mean, I guess he could have been, but that would have been really weird in his context for Jesus to be this white, blonde hair, blue eyed guy to walk around. I don't think anybody would have listened to him in that world. But, you know, here, here's the point. As Christians, our job is to go beyond all those things. When you talk about the gospel giving you a greater purpose and you move beyond selfishness to service, you start looking for other people's interests greater than your own. When you allow the gospel to break down barriers, you look what happens. Like the, the church should be this unbelievable shining light example to the world around it of this is how you fix these things. And that's what Paul is telling the, the Ephesians. He's like, guys, listen to me. There's no longer all these separations. We are co-heirs. He goes on in verse 7. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. You know why he's saying that? Because Paul didn't deserve this. You remember his backstory? Like Paul was the guy that killed Christians. His very first mission trip before he gave his life to Christ, you realize what it was? He was on his way to Damascus for what? To literally kill Christians. And Paul's going, I don't deserve to even talk about this. I don't deserve to have these things. But that's the nature of the gospel. None of us deserve it. 
He says, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints. Can't you just hear Paul's like honest view of himself there? Saying, guys, I don't, I don't deserve to even get to be able to talk about this. Like, I don't know what your experience is. All I can tell you is what mine is. But there are many times in my life when I'm overwhelmed that I get to do what I get to do. I was walking around the, the construction site yesterday on July 4th because they were up here working and, you know, I just came up to see what all was going on. And the superintendent who was walking around with me, he had got called away to something else. And I walked into the the auditorium, which you can't really see it from here, but you can look afterwards. Um, but it's about half done. Like, there's six more rows that go up, but it's going to be an unbelievable space. I'm just telling you, like, it's unreal. And I stood on that stage, first time to get to stand on it. And all these people are working around me, and I'm in there crying. Because so I'm going, I'm not. I'm not worthy of this. Not worthy to stand here. Not worthy to get to do what God calls me to do. And Paul's saying to these guys, not some false humility of like, oh, well, I'm just not a very good preacher. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, listen, I'm least of all the saints. Not some false humility talking down about himself. Literally, it's him going, guys, I, I don't deserve to get to preach what I get to preach. Like, that's how powerful the gospel is to him. He says, this grace I was given to preach to the Gentiles, and I love this line, the unsearchable riches of Christ. This unsearchable riches, I'm not going to go into all of it because we're going we're to talk about it again in a moment, but in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, listen how he says it there. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. You know what he's saying? You know why it's hard for you to define God's love and God's grace? It's unsearchable. Like, you ever tried to define it to somebody? Like, I'll just give you a challenge. Go and ask a Christian, say, define for me God's grace in your life. And they'll be like, well, I, I mean, I, uh, and they'll be able to tell you about what they've experienced. Because grace isn't something you just explain, it's something that you experience. So number three, we're almost done. Let the gospel propel the church forward. Verse nine, he says, and bring to the light or bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages. In God who created all things, don't miss it, verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You watching how this works? That first point, are they all still up there? Hey, the third one should be up there by now. Okay, the first one. Watch it. I just want you to see this trend. Let the gospel push you to a greater purpose. This all has to do with me, right? Let the gospel push you to break down barriers. What's that happen? Now it's starting to affect other people. But in number three, let the gospel propel the church forward. 
Started with one, now it's growing, now it's growing to even more. That's the nature of the gospel. The gospel's never satisfied with just one person. Like when you have someone who goes, well, was it a good event? Well, one person responded to the gospel. That's great. We're always glad for the one. But the nature of the gospel is not to stop there. It's to keep going. Like if, if the gospel has stopped in your life, like you just haven't ever reached anybody, you haven't talked about your faith in Jesus to anybody, I don't want to like badmouth you, but I want to, want to encourage you to let the gospel push you to a greater purpose. Because the gospel's point was not just to go, hey, just wanted to save you. No, the gospel's point is to keep expanding. That was the nature of the parable that Jesus gave. It says it starts as a small seed, but then it grows beyond all, all garden plants. It's the biggest tree in the garden. Talking about the mustard seed. But where it eventually gets is the church. And did you hear how Paul described it? Verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Through us. You realize that the church is the way that God chose to save the world? Now, I get that he sent Jesus and all that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not replacing Jesus with the church. But you know what the hope of the world is? It's, a, it's the church. It's what's always changed the world around it. That the manifold wisdom of God is known, not because one person's doing what they're called to do, but because this group of people, this group of believers, with all these things that should be dividing them, all that's torn down, and now they're all united in one focus, one purpose, and God does amazing things through them. You know, when, when, uh, when the church is who she is supposed to be, there's nothing more appealing for the gospel than that. Like you can, be, you can be persuaded to believe in Jesus because of a persuasive preacher. You can be convinced to follow God because someone has a really good argument. You can even be motivated to follow Jesus all because you've seen a motivational story because someone had their life transformed. But there is nothing that is a greater testimony to the world than when the church is who she is created to be. When you see a church that is on fire for God, there is nothing more infectious for the gospel. Don't believe me? Don't want to keep bringing it up because I know it's just like pouring salt on a wound. But come to Beach Week. Come with us on a mission trip. Come with us when everybody else loses all other distractions. And you get a group of believers that are focused on one thing, everyone wants to be a part of it. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. But why does that just happen when we, when we go away? Why can't that be here? Why can't when someone comes in and they're new, they go, whoa, I gotta be a part of this. 
I see people from every race, tribe, people, and tongue that are all joining together for one purpose. I see people that are passionately singing about their great God and what he's done for them. I see a group of people that made me feel welcome the moment I walked through the door. I promise you, when the church is who she's created to be, there is nothing that is a better testimony to the world of what Jesus can do. You realize that's why Jesus prayed for it in John 17. He said, God, I pray that they would be one so that the world will know that you sent me. Our greatest testimony to this world of who Jesus is is when his people join together. And I know right now, especially for those of you that are watching online, I know it's easy for us to use all kinds of excuses for us to not be the church. I know that there are barriers that are in the way, and they are legitimate barriers of, of the fear that comes from, well, I mean, there's this virus that's just going out of control and all this sort of stuff. Listen, I, I'm, I don't want anybody to feel like this un, unrealistic level of guilt because they haven't come back on campus. I don't want that. But can I say that do you ever just wonder if there is a, a purpose behind not just the virus, but the way that people talk about it? Like, have you seen what happened in California this week? Literally, they outlawed singing in churches because they said it will spread the virus. Now, can you imagine the governor telling you, hey, you're no longer, if you go to church, you're not allowed to sing. Even with a mask on, you can't sing. That's kind of, it's kind of what we do. Now, I know some of you, you're like, well, I haven't sung in three years. I only sing at Beach Week. You know, but it should be, should be all of us. Like, to sing, to do all this, that's part of what Christians are. But you have someone telling you you can't do these things that are part of our faith tradition? Just step back for a minute. Like, obviously, it's a real virus. Obviously, there's real things that are happening. But you, you don't think that we have a, an enemy that's cunning and divide, uh, 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 divisive enough to go, hey, let me use this to try to tear people apart, to try to find a way to make the church not be who she's supposed to be? Let the gospel push you to a greater purpose. Let the gospel push you... Uh, to break down barriers, let the gospel propel the church forward. Here's number four, last one. Simple. Let the gospel define you. Let the defining thing of your life be the good news of Jesus Christ. Why would you want to be defined by anything else? Can I ask you that? Like, is there a greater task in this world? Is there something better to be known for? I will tell you, if, if, if I go to my grave and I could be known as a minister of the gospel, I'll feel like I won. I did it right. If I'm known for something else, then I messed up. I want to be known and be defined by the gospel. Listen to what he says, verse 14. This is his prayer. He says, for this reason, part two, I bow my knees to the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, 
I gotta, gotta help you get a little bit deeper than the English text here, okay? The word family in Greek comes from the word father in Greek. So like if you think of, uh, of in our world, if you're trying to find out if the dad is the father of a baby, you have a DNA test, what kind is that test is called? It's called a paternity test, right? Because you know if that's the father. That paternal, that fatherly way is the way that it comes from Greek. It comes from Greek and then Latin is this uh, paternal way. But anyways, family in Greek is literally just that first part. It's the, it's the, the beginning of father. So, check this. When Paul says that every family in heaven and earth is named because I bow my knees before the Father, that God actually defines the family. The Father is how, how the whole family is named. Catch it? It's a play on words that he's using when he writes this. And he says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, if you trace this, and our podcast will go through this even more, but if you trace it, Paul talks about that he received power with God's grace. Now he's praying for the, the Ephesians to re- receive power in their inner being from God. Okay, watch this power as it kind of traces through. He says, so that, verse, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, catch it, that surpasses knowledge. You remember we talked about the unsearchable riches of Christ? He said that you may be able to know the love of Christ. That's beyond understanding. It surpasses knowledge. And I, excuse me, I know in the ESV it's tough when you hear the breadth, the width, the length, the, the depth, all those words. In the NIV it says how wide, how long, how high, how deep. It's a question. Because this love of God, can you measure it? Can you know it? surpassing knowledge. It's these unsearchable riches. How high? How long? How wide? How deep? You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, guys, this, this is beyond anything that we could comprehend in a really, really good way. That this love of Christ, he says, I'm praying that you may You may know it, being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend these things. You can comprehend, but you won't understand. You know what that means? That you can can have knowledge of something, but you don't know how to explain it. Like, have you ever uh, ever been asked to, to like, hey, how do you do that? And you're like, let me just show you, Right? And you don't really know how to, to explain it to someone, but you can kind of show them. It's kind of that idea that you comprehend it, meaning that you've experienced it, and you know it in your heart, but you can't just explain it with your mouth. It's this love that surpasses all knowledge. And then 
the best one, verse 20 and 21. Listen how Paul ends this passage. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask, think, or imagine. According to the, anybody following along? Power. Did you follow it? I received power from God through the grace that he gave me. I pray that you may have power in your inner being. Finish the chapter. What's he say? That I, now to him, now to God, who's able to do far beyond all we can ask, think, or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory. Not to us, but to him be glory. Where? In the church. You hear it? And in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You know, there's a lot of people that know those last two verses, but they don't realize what leads up to it. They love to quote those. I mean, God can do all more than we can ask or imagine. And so you think of it, you're like, man, I'm, yeah, God can do all these like, great things. He's like, he's like the genie in Aladdin. Like, God can do some unbelievable things. But how does he do it? It's right there. It's because of the power of the gospel that's at work within you. So, let the gospel push you to a greater purpose. Let the gospel push you to break down barriers. Let the gospel propel the church forward and then just let the gospel define you. You do that and watch what God does in the church. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Do Loss Youth. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon.